Hi, you've just downloaded or otherwise accessed a podcast of Cross Point Church and the teaching ministry presented through our weekly Sunday morning worship. Feel free to burn a copy of this file when you're finished and pass it along to a friend you think might also benefit from the teaching. We hope you enjoy the message today, and thanks again for taking the time to visit. There are probably some in this room that feel like they deserved a second chance that didn't receive it at some point in time. And perhaps has been carrying that for years with you. There's probably still more of us that didn't deserve a a do-over that got it. And probably again and again and again. I turn to John chapter 13. We're going to look at this this story today of Peter's do-over. It's this passage is, is, is a little background passage uh, before we dig into the meat of what we're going to talk about today. Verse 36 of, of John chapter 13 through the end of the chapter. Simon Peter asked him, he said, Lord, where are you going? Jesus replied, where I'm going, you cannot follow now, but you will follow later. Peter asked, Lord, why can't I follow you? I'll lay down my life for you. And Jesus answered, Will you really lay down your life for me? Very truly, I tell you, before the rooster crows, you'll disown me three times. Now that's the backstory to the real story we're going to read here in, in just a moment in John chapter 18, if you want to turn there. But when you, when you think about Peter's life, I think about this, uh, I think about kind of where Indiana Jones meets Barney Fife. Uh, a... a, a God that's not intimidated to try anything, anywhere, at any time. Won't be dissuaded, won't be, won't be pushed aside. Uh, can't see the, the potential pit, pitfalls for uh, the, the good things and, and the positive things that will happen. Yet, when he opens his mouth, his foot is usually what goes in there. Instead of, so, in fact, you remember the story in Matthew 17 of the Mount of Transfiguration. Jesus goes up to pray and... and Peter, James, and John have been left down the hill some. Look up on the hilltop, and there is what appears to be Moses and Elijah standing next to Jesus. And Jesus comes back down after this is over with, and Peter's just beside himself with emotion. We need to build three tabernacles. I mean, this is, this is really cool stuff here. And I can imagine Jesus kind of looking at him with, really, that's the best you got. Uh, he, he was always impulsive. And sometimes his impulse got him into situations that he couldn't see coming. John chapter 18 is where I want us to look first today. And there's quite a bit of content to cover, so I'm going to move rather fast today. But um, John chapter 18, verses 15 to 18, and then 25 to 27. 15 to 18 is, is, says, Simon Peter and another disciple were following Jesus. Because this disciple was known to the high priest, he went with Jesus into the high priest's courtyard. But Peter had to wait outside at the door. The other disciple who was known to the high priest came back, spoke to the servant girl on duty there, and brought Peter in. You aren't one of, the, uh, one of this man's disciples, are you? Peter, uh, she asked Peter. He replied, I am not. It was cold, and the servants and officials stood around the fire. They made to keep warm. Peter also was standing with them, warming himself. And drop down to verse 25. Meanwhile, Peter, Simon Peter, was still standing warming himself, so they asked him, you aren't one of his disciples too, are you? 
He denied it, saying, I am not. One of the high priest's servants, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, challenged him, did not see you with him in the garden? Again, Peter denied it, and at that moment, a rooster began to crow. Four things today I want us to quickly see about caving to the culture. Caving to the culture is about creating the right environment, and I'm speaking this from the vantage point of what the enemy will try to do to us and, and, and for us and in us. Creating uh, the right environment. And by that, I mean all of us have a nature to want to be in the in crowd. I mean, you probably had that nature as you're growing up in school. You want to be, you want to be in the in crowd. You want to be in the, with the popular kids, the kids that are known by everybody else. And and so, Peter found himself in that same situation here in this story. He is, he is, uh, and, and it's believed that this, that this other disciple, who knew the high priest, or the, one of the ladies in the high priest's courtyard that worked there, is John. And so John kind of pulls a few strings to get Peter into the courtyard so he can kind of warm himself by the fire and, and hear the proceedings going on. Um, that's, that was kind of their access point. So Peter naturally wants to be part of the cool crowd. And so he, he goes and follows John and, and John's friend in around the courtyard, into the courtyard and, and, and around the fire. Uh, it's, this environment was drawing him in not only to, to be known and, and to be somebody that matters, but to know what's going on so we can hear a little closer to the proceedings that's happening. Second thing that, that, that occurs in verse 16. Second thing is about framing the path to failure. Look at verse 17. You aren't one of this man's, uh, one of this man's disciples too, are you? She asked Peter. I'm not, he, he replied. In essence, she was kind of saying, surely you're not one of them. You're not one of them, are you? You know how this culture looks at you and I today? It's them. That's exactly how they look at us. Are you one of them? You one of those radical Christians? Are you one of those folks that think that there's, there's an absolute right and wrong for everybody and everything? Are you, are you one of them? Uh, that's, th- this, this path to failure will, will lead us down a, a direction put on by our culture that wants to, wants to plead us guilty before we ever had a thing to say. And so wants to put us in a box and put us in a place where they, they define us and, and, and or cancel us at, at their own will. But caving to the culture is about creating the right environment, about framing the path to failure. Thirdly, caving to the culture is all about pressure in the right place. Look at verse 18 again. It says, it was cold, and the servants and officials stood around the fire they had made to keep warm. Peter also was standing with him, warming himself. Uh, he was pressured to, to be in the right place. Um, Peter's real struggle, I think, was, was self-image. Many had that same struggle today. Uh, he didn't like who he, who he was in light of where he was. In that moment, he didn't like who he was in light of where he was. Why? Because he, 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 he made every effort to, to get up around the fire and to, to be, as I said a minute, a part of the in crowd, a part of the crowd that's known and knows things that other people don't know and experiencing things that others aren't. So he didn't like who he was and not where he was and consequently rationalized from that moment forward, rationalized everything he did. Uh, it, it's, uh, it, it's easy to do that. The enemy will always get us to say, you know what, if circumstances were different for you, then sure, God should look at this as wrong or evil or failure or, or, or a sin on your part. But he can't look at you that way. Look at the circumstances you're dealing with. 
Nobody else could have done any different in this situation than you did. And we start to rationalize our decisions and our wrong behavior and our sin and our, our walking away from him because of the circumstances we're in. And that's exactly what Peter did. He was in a circumstance that pressured him to say things he didn't want to say or do things he didn't want to do. He kind of continues the, the Jerusalem two-step uh, with his second denial in verse 25. Then and finally, about caving to culture, God always provides a way out, and honesty is usually the door. Look at 26 with me. He provides a way out, and honesty is usually the door. One of the high priest's servants, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, in other words, I was there. I saw you cut his ear off. Uh, I've got the goods on you. Uh, challenged him, said, didn't I see you with him in the garden? I, in essence, I was in the garden, dude, and I saw what happened. I know you're one of his. He kind of pins him against the wall. And Peter's got an opportunity here to come clean and be honest, and he doesn't. Uh, came to the culture, I think, is about recognizing that God will always provide a way of escape, of escape, but that way of escape is never going to be easy because it's going to require us to be honest about ourselves, honest about our sin, honest about our wrong, honest about our motives, honest about what we want, uh, whether the question is about who we are or what we've done. That, that opportunity is always there. All right, that's Peter caving to the culture, but God didn't leave him there. Turn, if you will, to chapter 21 of John. And we'll see, the, as Paul Harvey says, the rest of the story here. John chapter 21, verses 15 to 19 says this. When they had finished eating, and this is, this is the story of, of uh, Jesus coming by the seashore, and they're all fish, out, out fishing in a boat. This is after the resurrection. Peter kind of has a conversation with the disciples. Let's, let's just go back and fish. And in fact, I kind of imagine, Scripture doesn't tell us this, but I kind of imagine the disciples saying, now what? Sitting down with Peter and saying, what are we doing now? Uh, I mean, yes, he was crucified, resurrected, but he's not with us. Where did he go? What, what, what do we do now? I, I see Peter saying, let's just go fish. And we can predict the management of fish. I mean, we know some things about fishing. Let's, let, let's go back to what we know, what we, what's comfortable for us, what we, what we can predict the outcome on. And so they do. And, uh, and you, you, you've read this story before. Jesus walks by the seashore, sees them out off the, off the beach a little way, and uh, you guys got any catch? No, they didn't catch anything. He tells them, throw your nets out on the other side of the boat. What they do, you know the end of the story. They bring this big haul, John, when they haul the fish in, John said, that's got to be the Lord. And that story, Peter jumps out of the boat, heads off to, 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 to see if that's the case. Uh, whether he swam, whether he was trying to walk on the water, or whether, whether his feet were on the bottom, I don't, I'm not sure. But makes it to the shore as quickly as he can. And here's this conversation that ensues in verse 15. It said, when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. And again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John. The son of John there is, is telling. He's, he's humanizing Peter. He's taking him back to, this is who you were born to be. You weren't born to be the son of John. You are born to be the son of God. But he starts him back at the beginning again. Son of John, do you love me? Verse 16, he said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. And the third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, 
do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted, but when you were old, you will stretch out your hand and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. And he said to him, follow me. Here's this restoration conversation that occurs. And these, Peter's second chance, like many of ours, usually starts with a lesson that caused our failure. And the lesson there is in verse 15. Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And these there, I think, was pertaining to his situation and his friends. Do you love me more than fish? Do you love me more than flawed friends? Do you love me more than, the, do you love me more than this life that you've gone back to because you, you can predict the outcome? Do you love me more than this? doesn't look like it because that's exactly what you've gone back to doing. Evidence says you don't, but do you really love me more than this, Peter? So it starts with a lesson. And that, that was the lesson. It was... Uh, People, people draw our self-image oftentimes from what we do and what we're known for. And that's what Peter was trying to do. And, and he gives him a solution here. The solution here, he says, is to feed my lambs. And he used the word lambs in the first question and sheep in the last two for, for a reason. He's talking about the lambs being the innocent ones, the, the immature ones. Um, did some mission work in it with a pastor friend of mine in Philadelphia by the name of John Canty. And the first year I went there, first time I went there to help him, he was ministering in, in, in an urban area and uh, had some housing projects a couple of blocks away. And the slogan on his sign, Macedonia Mission Center, slogan on the bottom of the sign read, reaching back for those behind. And that just struck me in kind of a judgmental way and I, to, to the point that I pulled him aside and had a conversation with him. I said, explain that phrase to me. Because I don't get it. I think it's kind of insulting, to be honest with you. I usually speak my mind about a lot of things, if you've never discovered that. I had enough relationship with him to do that. I thought at the time I wasn't, try I wasn't trying to embarrass him or be off-putting. He said, well, Tim, let me explain that to you. He said, these folks have nothing. And most of them don't even know how poor they are. Don't even know the situation they're in because it's it's multi generations deep. It's six and eight generations deep. That's all that family's ever known. That's all they ever will know. And they don't get it. And I want them to see, regardless of how, how low you feel or how innocent you are of things, you have a have a seat at the table. And he said that's what that phrase was, was about. In essence, what he was trying to do was give worth to the immature. And that's exactly what Jesus tells Peter here. Give worth to the immature. The lambs are immature. They don't know any better, Peter. Feed them. In essence, if you want to be restored, get back to what you were supposed to be doing in the first place. Stop fishing for fish and start fishing for men again. But feed the immature first. Then he says, uh, secondly, the second chance goes to the core of who we are. Look at verse 16 with me. It says in verse 16, Jesus said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep, not lambs, but sheep. Meaning, the solution here is to, as you reach the immature, move beyond the immature to the more mature. And as you have a hunger to feed the mature, you're going to start to see the hand of God go ahead of you and use you to bring glory to himself again. Uh, I think he's trying to remind Peter here that you're a leader, Peter. 
And people are following your lead. In fact, these guys are probably in the boat with you today because they ask you, what's next, Peter? You said, let's go back to what we've always known. Let's just go fish. These guys will follow you anywhere, and, and people will because you're a leader. And he didn't say this to Peter. But what I imagine running through Peter's mind is, you know, he told me at one point he's going to build a church on my, my foundation. I'm doubting that today very heavily. And I think this is, this is the Lord saying, that's still, that's still in play, Peter. You're, you're the leader that I always thought you were. Uh, and, and I get it. I understand Peter's situation. I, I'm a reluctant leader myself. I've been a, a, a reluctant leader all my life, not because I'm afraid to leave, but because I always think there's somebody more qualified than me, smarter than me, better than me. They can do a better job. And I imagine how Peter felt. Most leaders feel that way, to be honest with you, probably. But he's trying to restore Peter's leadership. It goes back to the core of who Peter is. Then thirdly, uh, second chances usually start with a lesson. They go to the core of who we are. Thirdly, second chances uh, give us an opportunity to remember and, what, and learn from what brought on, brought on the failure. Look at verse 17. Third time he said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him a third time. In fact, Peter got it. He starts to put together three questions, three denials, and he gets it finally. He's hurt because of what Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. So the solution he gives him here is, again, to feed the sheep, to develop the, 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 the more mature, to start with the immature, to move to... to with folks that are extremely hungry, to move to, to the more mature and find yourself uh, doing that in, in such a way that not only feeds others but feeds you at the same time. Uh, and then the solution here after this third question is follow me, which is the very first thing you remember that he said to him as he came, as he met him the first time by the seashore is, is Peter, follow me. In essence, he's saying, You're forgiven, Peter. Nothing's changed. I know you failed. Everybody fails. I know you failed three times. People failed three times and more. You're forgiven. Nothing's changed. I, I, I still see for you what you can't see for yourself today. I see the potential in what you could be for the kingdom that you can't see today because all you're seeing is three denials and three questions. At the end of those three questions, what I want you to hear is follow me. The same potential I saw in you by the seashore the first day we met, I still see today. But you got to lead. you got to get out of the boat for, for people to follow you. Uh, that, that's Sometimes God's restoration is painful, and, I, and it was painful to Peter. I, I've, I've experienced that before as well in my life. You probably have too. But he always challenges beyond the pain. Let's get at it. Let's don't stay and wallow in the pain. Let's don't stay and wallow in the guilt. Let's don't stay here and find ourselves feeling sorry for ourselves. Let's get back at it. Getting back at it will show you what your potential is and show you what I've called you to do in the first place. Um, I find it amazing that we listen to the enemy paralyze us. With failure, paralyze us with a mistake, paralyze us with loss, paralyze us with whatever he can. And to keep us paralyzed, uh, Good grief, year after year, sometimes decade after decade. And the Lord is calling about the same thing, calling out to Peter, get back at it. 
You're a flawed, I know you're a flawed leader, Peter, but get back in there. Get back in the game. That's what I've called you to do. Go do what I've called you to do. I, th- I told you you're going to stop fishing for fish and start fishing for men. Get, get after that. Go do that. That's what, he's, what he's, his, his final message to Peter is. And, and, and Peter gets it, I think, and, and heads back in that direction. We see, we see the results of that at Pentecost, actually, uh, not, not too, too much later. What I want you to hear today in, in this, this idea of looking at Peter's failure and his second chance is no matter where, what kind of year you've had or, or, or what's, what God's done recently or not done recently that you feel like he, he should have done for you and you, no matter what kind of failure you've experienced in the past, what kind of guilt you may be carrying. You say, Tim, you don't know my past. No. Well, I know some of your past, some, and some of you, but I don't know all of it. I don't know the, the secrets that you've kept, that, that you're still keeping. I, 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 I'm, I'm not privy to that, but I do know this. I do know God's got design for your life, and I do know that the stranger that Peter saw by the seashore that he thought was a stranger was really his Lord. And I know that as, that as he began to experience this, this conversation with Jesus over breakfast, that he saw that this is not just the Lord, this is the, he's, he's my second chance. And the third, sometimes the fourth. Uh, because he, he, he is that and more. And if you've not seen that nature of our God, uh, I'm going to tell you, the enemy's not going to want you to see that. He's going to want you to, he, he's going to want to paint a picture of, of God the ogre, God the judge, that, that wants to slap you around and, and push you around and get you in a situation where he's got you under his thumb. You're doing something you hate for the rest of your life, all the payback for what you didn't, did or should have done. That's not the nature of who God is. The nature of who he is is he's the God of a second chance and a third and a fourth. In fact, he, he, he'll do a do-over and over and over and over and over and over again. You don't believe it? Try it. Go back to him. Repent and get back to him. Humble yourself before him and, and you'll see him not only change that past and, and the results of it, the ripple effect in your life, the consequences, but set you on a course that'll bring glory to him and fulfillment to you at the same time. That's what, ends up, what uh, ends up being what happens to Peter. Um, and if we'll not be, if we'll not wallow in the guilt, learn to not wallow in the guilt of, of, of where the enemy wants to keep us, we can see that for ourselves too. Peter saw it, and he, he finally got it. The light dawned after the third question and he realized what was going on. The quicker you and I realize, the less, less time it should take. And again, the enemy wants to keep you where you are in defeat for as long as he can. But if we'll see the hand of God, hear the questions of God, hear the word of God, and then close with the very same thing he told Peter, follow me. Get back at it. Get back in there. Don't stay on the sideline defeated for the rest of your life thinking God can't use you anymore. He can use you tomorrow. We've got to get back in there. Uh, because who Peter, who Peter thought was a stranger by the seashore that day was really his Lord and uh, was Lord of the second chance. Father, today would you remind us 
that, yes, you're just, but you're also good. And yes, you're ultimately sovereign and know everything, but you're also merciful and forgiving. And yes, you see our failures and want us to learn the lessons from them, but you're more about restoration than judgment. Because you see our hearts, you see our potential, you see your design for us. You see the things you put in place for us to be and become. And the enemy wants our failures to keep us off that path. And they're just that. They're just failures. That doesn't define who we are, where we're going. You do that. You do that. So today would we be afresh to listen to your spirit and your word to remind us you're not a God of to put us in our place and put us on the shelf. And, and sure, we're not going to lose our, our heaven ticket, but we're not going to accomplish anything in this world anymore because of what we've done and because of our past and our failures. That's not who you are. You want us off the shelf and back in the game. You want us down fishing for men instead of fish. You want us to put into practice the things that you've taught us from our failures even so that nobody else has to experience that either. Remind us of these things today. Because you're our Lord. You're the one we've come to know and love. Be called by, want to follow, want to live for. Remind us, you're the God of the do-over. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening to today's message from Crosspoint Church, helping people navigate the journey toward an authentic, biblical, and contagious walk with Christ. 